Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. brother in the martial arts and esteemed co-host, Tipu Robert Deal. Tipu Bob, how you doing today? Hey, it's finally cooled down here in Los Angeles. It's really hot. Uh, a, couple things, a couple things happened yesterday. As everybody knows now, by now, I drive from Lyft. Well, That's right. last night I told you about this. So, this guy must have been in panic mode because I pull up on a guy that ordered a Lyft and he just simply ran out of gas. That, that's it. And he programmed an Arco gas station into the, the destination. So we go uh-huh. to Arco station. They have a, and I park my car and I'll wait here, no problem. He gets the gas can. He calls me up. I swear to God, this was so funny. He calls me up from his pump and says, "Can you go over to my pump?" I, I said, "Sure." He had bought a one-gallon gas can and bought three gallons worth of gas. Oh, no. So he had no place to put the other couple gallons, The other two right? gallons. Oh, right. And I, I'm like, do, do the math. Three gallons of gas does not fit into a one-gallon container. <laughs> oh. So I was trying to do something nice. I was, I was hoping these, these guys, the show was filming on Tuesday, uh, on Thursday, rather, because I get Matt and Boy in my car yesterday, which plays Hanley on Two Broke Girls, which is a top-rated uh, Warner Brothers TV show right now. Not, this was the third time I got it. Uh-huh. And I was just talking to him, and when do you guys shoot? And they shoot on Tuesday. Now, they don't take into consideration the working stiffs because you've got to be there like 3.30 right. or 4 o'clock yeah. to see these things. Now, when I first started seeing TV shows, do you remember the show Alice? Yes, I do. Okay, well, on Alice, her son yeah. and I were friends, right? He used uh-huh. to go into the pinball arcade that I used to run. And mm-hmm. he used to get me in to, to see Alice all the time. Anytime oh, I wanted cool. to. Right? Right on. Now, back then, it was, they would film a show almost in real time. Oh, so it, it there, was a, there was just much, a little, there was just a little uh, delay, yeah, because of the whatever, right? Yeah, that, that was it. Uh, yeah. Well, no, no, I don't mean to film it live, but they would film it, well, one, when you do a TV show, they film it in sequence, not like when you do a movie, right? Yeah. They film it in sequence, but the way they did it when I saw Alice in the 80s was they did it, and it almost took as long to film it as the uh-huh. actual episode was in length. Oh, right. Well, yeah, so it yeah, was yeah. about an hour. Now I went and saw Dear John with Judd Hirsch uh, in the '90s. That took about five hours. They mm-hmm. tell me it it takes. Uh, Matt told me last night it 
they're trying to get everybody out earlier now, but it was it is from four to ten. Mm-hmm. When the show first started, they were going to midnight, one o'clock filming. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a long ass time. Right, right. To go, yeah. I forgot that you stuff, and right? uh, I forgot that you and uh, oh, what the hell's his name? Uh, McKeon. Phil McKeon. Philip. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I completely forgot that you and him were friends. Completely. Yeah. And the arcade, you used to tell me a lot about the arcade and stuff like that. Yeah, I haven't seen him in like like 30 years, actually, because once the arcade thing was done, we lost contact with each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I thought that would have been cool to take you to a live taping of of a popular TV show while you were here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I would have loved to to do that. Um, let's see. Oh, hold on. Our guest tonight, Master Rick St. Clair, says, how do I view this before I could see you? <laughs> well, let me explain it. Um, well, oh, okay. this is uh, an audio podcast. So no video. Just click the link and it will either play or take you to blogtalkradio.com where it can be played. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, I got no, we, don't, we don't videotape this thing because I have a voice for radio. I mean, I have a face for radio. <laughs> so we don't videotape this at all. <laughs> yeah, right? Now, I just want to explain to everybody that Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio and Dynamic Dojo Talk TV are two totally different things. Uh, the Talk TV portion happens just random times throughout the week, where uh, and that's on Facebook Live. Um, we used to do pre-recorded interviews and stuff like that, and then I would edit and then take it take it um, onto Facebook. But now, you know, we find that Facebook Live engages more people in real time, so we decided to do that. So. Talk TV is completely different. The Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio, though, folks, is entirely audio. And all of our episodes are recorded uh, while we're going on live. Like right now, we are live. This is not recorded. But it is recording for archive. And our, our, our say that 10 times fast, our archive, right. <laughs> our are syndicated on iTunes and you can, so, you know, you can go to iTunes and download the episodes um, and play them on your phone at any time or on any smartphone. You can just go straight to blog talk radio and stream it there, or just go to the Facebook link on either my uh, personal profile or Bob's personal profile or the dynamic dojo Facebook page, click it and it'll like play. It'll just automatically play. You can listen to any, episode at any time so if you're a guest on our show and your students or your friends or your family didn't catch the live broadcast they can find the episode straight away and download it and listen to it at any time you can even like burn it to a cd for all i care you can do whatever you want with it but those episodes are archived forever or until blog talk radio goes defunct (laughs) so that's where we're at now uh, speaking of uh, explaining that to our guests, you know, please stay tuned, everyone, because at around 6.30 or pro- probably a little bit after that, we will open the phone lines, 
and we are going to be talking to subonym Rick St. Clair of Mudukwan Taekwondo. So if you're a student or a friend of Master Rick's, please give us a call, 347-677-0699. All right. Yeah, there is something, one, one more thing, one more thing. I didn't go over <laughs> This is this is my daughter's last week in my house. Mm-hmm. She she is moving out on Thursday, on the fifteenth, to UCLA dorms. It's very sad for me this week. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> you know we we want to sort of hook up and go do something, but you know she's busy packing and I'm busy with work and and all that, and I wanted I wanted her to go to uh, the movie with us today, but she was, of course, too busy for her parents. Right, oh. right. Well, you know, it it sucks at that time, at college time. You know, I mean, I was there, you know. You were there, you know, at one point. So it's kind of like, at yeah. that time, you know, you're just coming out of high school. You know, you're just learning how to be self-reliant. And now you're going to be in the big, bad world, living away from home, you know, taking classes that are unlike, you know, what you had in high school. But I shouldn't say that because she was already at college level with her classes. So this will be, you know, right. nothing to her. The only difference being is that she's going to be not at home. Away from home. And on right. her own. And most of her friends having, are actually calling in and saying, I'm homesick. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, and you know, and luckily I drove to campus every day so I was able to come home that was the way my parents wanted it they're like you are not we are not spending that kind of money for the university right and I'm like okay that's fine with me I'd much rather come home right than deal with all that crap you know all that you know weird college life crap and stuff like that um but um it's not that my parents didn't trust me it was it was simply a simply a a financial factor and I personally didn't want to deal with that crap um and it was just yeah so but you know what she's she'll do fine and I'm sure she'll be back for holidays and stuff like that and and well she's already planning on it and I told you that that she's planning to come back for Thanksgiving not because you want to come home but because they closed campus she won't be able to eat (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you suck. Yes, uh, but no. We'll I just still, like the way you put that. Well, it's true. She can't eat. She better come home. Uh, but uh, and they have a standard of science. We get there at eight o'clock. We're allowed. Would they give us a oh. half an hour? That's it. They they right. let us unload, put it in storage unit, move the car somewhere else, and then they take can, the storage unit up to you, the uh, apartment. Can you do me a favor? And um, wow. someone actually rang the doorbell to the studio. I need to go check on that. That's kind of weird. So if you could, like, start off with uh, birthdays, and I'll chime in with my birthdays a little bit later. So let me go okay, check go on ahead. that real quick. Okay. All right. We're going to start off with birthdays. Well, first birthday we have is today. 9-11, Patrick McDaniel, 9-11, Justin Harvey, 9-13, Anna Gracie, 9-14, an old friend of mine and a friend of the show, Glenn Grimm. On 9-15, we have one of the actresses from Paying Mr. Spaghetti that I saw today, uh, Anita Clay. 
And the other one, which is also from Paying Mr. McGetty, R. Marcus Taylor, and his birthday is on Friday the 16th. Now, you may know Marcus from uh, one of the, the big one, the big movie he actually did was Straight Out of Compton uh, about Ice Cube and his boys, and he played Suge Knight. So, with, with Rusty gone, I am going to uh, go over her birthdays until she interrupts me. Uh, 9-12 is Kimberly Ivey, David y- Yamato, Carlos Luna, Shirley Keith, and on 9-13 is Tra- Tra- Trace Magdalenas and Raul Ortiz, and 9-14 is Russell D. Maria, and on 9-16, Tony Ray Salmi. Now, with that said, we're going to do, go through our announcement segment. And my announcement is uh, that I went, took my wife, and we went and saw Paying Mr. McGetty today, which is a world premiere at the Burbank Film Festival. This was a wonderful film. Very well done. The directing was great. The fight choreography was great. It was starring on Marcus Taylor and uh, uh, Anita Clay and uh, Don Wilson and a lot of extras. It had cameos by uh, Cynthia Rothrock. It had uh, Crystal Santos in it. Uh, Cameo by, uh, oh, oh, I'm losing it. She'll hate me. What's Uh, going on? Cameo by... Tara Cardinal. Cardinal. Uh, Tara Cardinal, yeah. (laughs) Tara Cardinal was in it, and it was a great movie. Uh, John Crane did some amazing fight choreography in it. I think some of the stunt players were part of his team that we got Dragon Fest. Uh, But John and I gave, I told Melissa to, to give him my best because John is really, really sick right now. He's been sick for like... Last few days, like real bad flu, knocked out, drag out, dizzy, can't hold anything down. I wish you my best, but it was oh. a great movie. Uh, Lady Reed, David Reed went, uh, Mitch Shimmer went, uh, a bunch of people were there. Dr. Bob, uh, you should try to get up to Vegas, come to Bob, Dr. Bob's event, by the way. I bet I can get you a VIP invitation. Uh, and I put mm-hmm. my wife on the spot today. You know, I get a an email. We had a Facebook from Dr. Bob the other day, uh, Robert Goldman, mm-hmm. and, and he told me, if you want to go to Vegas and be part of this, and after party, the whole thing, all you have to do is leave me your name and phone number and all that stuff, and I'll, I'll put you on the VIP list. I grabbed my wife today, and I'm talking to Dr. Bob, and I said, honey, come here. Are we or are we not going to Vegas in December? <laughs> I put her ass on the spot. In front of God, everybody. Oh, she, and she all said. she said was, "We're going to try to go to Vegas in December." Oh, and you okay. can't beat oh. it. I mean, Vegas in December is nothing. I mean, it's it gets down to like the it's sold outside Vegas, but nothing really bad. I'm thinking uh-huh. about actually seeing if we can fly instead of drive, just because I hate uh-huh. the hassle of driving four and a half hours. Right. So. Oh. But wow. that, there you have it. We saw the Burbank Film Festival, and it was a very well-done movie. Very cool. Great very action. cool. 
So um, is that the only venue that it's going to be showing? Will it be coming out on DVD soon? Will it be actually coming up on the big screen? How's that going to work? Well, I'm I'm sure it will probably be like they did with the martial arts kid, since you had Sarah Wheeler and, and, and Don Wilson, all these people that were producing it, also produced the martial arts kid, probably going to go to independent theaters like it did. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to go to Blu-ray and DVD. And that's about it. That's probably the plan, just like the marketing for the uh, oh, okay. martial arts kid was done. Uh, Very but cool. I went through your birthdays, my birthdays, and my uh, uh, announcement. I didn't go through your announcement, of course, because you're probably yeah. you're you're still reeling about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into the other announcements, let me play a tune for all the birthday people. So have a great birthday week. Um, and for um, and everyone else having a birthday the week of the 11th through the 17th, this song's for you. Let me click it. We we sing happy birthday to you, and may all your dreams come true. Happy, happy birthday. Shout out to Master Mike Shintaku and Master David Carmen, um, and to one of the arbitrators, uh, Master C.J. Mayo, um, of the City of Destiny Classic Tournament that I went to yesterday. Um, I did cover um, as much of the tournament as I could, but I was really busy judging forms and kumite and stuff like that. Um, and I keep wanting to call it the Emerald City Classic because that's what I associate Master Mike Shintaku with the Emerald City Classic. It was one of the biggest tournaments held in the Seattle area. In fact, it was like the only huge tournament held in. No, I take that back. There were there were four in the Seattle area at that time, and the Emerald City Classic was the biggest. All the other ones that you went to, you either had to travel down to California, Canada, or Oregon to get to, and it was great. And um, you know, for all the Northwesterners and uh, other people from surrounding states that wondered, hey, what happened to the Emerald City Classic? Um, they stopped at the Emerald City Classic um, 
back when 9-11 happened. And speaking of which, after I'm done talking, I'd like to talk a little bit about 9-11. And they thought it would not be a good idea to have a tournament um, that same month as 9-11 because the the tournament was slated for like literally a week after 9-11, right? So they're like, nope. And uh, Mike decided, well, I'm just not going to do it anymore. And three years ago, they decided, uh, uh, David and Mike decided to put on another tournament, this time called it the City of Destiny Classic. Um, and it's been going strong for the last three years. So um, pretty cool. It was great. Well-run tournament. A uh, little bit smaller uh, this year than in past years because there was another tournament in conjunction with uh, with it. There was the... Uh, uh, all uh, all Batokukan Open tournament um, <coughs> happening on, happening on the other side of the water, and usually a lot of Batokukan people come to the um, to the City of Destiny Classic, and but everyone was competing over at the All Batokukan tournament, um, and uh, so yeah, it went pretty well. Uh, some people actually uh, drove in from Oregon. I think there was. Uh, and there were some people that drove in from Canada as well. So it made for a really great tournament. Um, so, yeah, next next year I'm going to try to do it again. They, the, they were really appreciative that we brought the radio show over there, or in this case, Talk TV, and uh, pushed, the, and pushed the, uh, the tournament on our show. Um, so they were really appreciative of that. So I thought that was really kind of cool. Um, now, with that said... It is September 11th, folks, and before we move on with the show, I just want to observe and honor all of the people that we lost on this day um, by just a moment of silence. So let's just take about 20 seconds of silence to honor those that we lost on this faithful day. All right. We will never forget. Definitely. Um, I was going to upload a, um, I was going to upload an MP3 of our national anthem, uh, but I couldn't find one in time. So, (laughs) so to, from Bob and I to all of the families affected by 9-11, we stand with you and we will never forget. The sacrifices of your family members will never be forgotten. All right starting to get a little bit sad there <laughs> oh my god okay i know right pull it to, pull it uh, together, there is Rusty. something you've never mentioned and i want you to mention this and okay. i think this is actually a very big deal is that we've been asked by jim thomas mm. to sanction the usa martial arts hall of fame and i think that's yes. huge it, it it is huge and um i just want to send a shout out to Sensei Jim Thomas and to Sensei Lori Hallmark. Uh, Sensei Jim Thomas contacted me a few weeks ago and had asked if um, we could bring the show to the Seattle event. And I said, sure. And then he contacted me about a week later and said, can we list your show as being one of the promoters? And I went, well, yeah. (laughs) 
So um, I gave them our logo, and it's on all the flyers and all the paperwork and and stuff like that. And, um, you know, because of this um, and because of his um, friendship with us and, and his support of our show, I would like to see how many USA Martial Arts Hall of, Halls of Fame that you and I can cover in person. We'll see how that works. I know we can probably do California and Seattle, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? But as far as you know, Texas or any place else like that, we'll we'll have to uh, we'll have to uh, well, you and I will have to discuss that. But Sensei Jim, if you're listening, uh, definitely Bob and I. Uh, would be very happy to cover any of those um, any of those events for you, um, and uh, to help get the word out for all of those events, which we have been doing. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll continue to do that. All right, very cool. So that that uh, that is pretty huge. I was uh, I was pretty uh, surprised about that. All right. Oh well. I, I wanted to oh, bring up one thing really quick. Sure. Now, remember when we were going to do inappropriate business names a couple months ago? Oh, right. Well, here's what happened yesterday. Late, late, not late at night, but, but late afternoon. I gave this girl a ride to a place called Big Wangs. <laughs> they do chicken wings, right? But it's called Big Wangs. Any guess on what their tagline is? Size no. <laughs> does matter. No way. <laughs> yes. It's either size does matter or just size matters. Yeah. And we were laughing about it all the way to, to for me to drop her off at work. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, if you ever want to go to Big Wangs, you guys. All right, so we're running. Uh, that, but I did late. tell her about your idea. I did tell her about your idea oh, about, yeah. about putting a big old cigar in your mouth and smoking in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one. <laughs> I I still want to do that. <laughs> I know. I, I still want to do that. I, I need to get a picture of that. Anyhow. All right. Very cool. So, all right. So we're running about. I'm gonna say about. 10 minutes late. So we're going to open the phone lines at about 6:40 or so. So <laughs> so um if you're listening and would like to talk to our special guest later, Sabamim Rick St. Clair, give us a call at around that time, 347-677-0699 and don't forget to press 1 when you get connected with us because that will put you in our caller queue and that will let us know that you want to talk live with us. Otherwise, we're just going to think that you're listening. All right. So with that said, let's move on to the health news. I have no idea where my health news stinger is, but oh, here it is. Here we go. All right. Okay. So it's not so much that these are health news. These are strange but true health tips. Now there's 12 of them and I'm only going to do a couple because we're running out of time. But strange but true health tip number one. Did you know that drinking coffee can help you have a better nap? I kid you not. This is no bullshit. In a Japanese study that examined how to make the most of a nap, people who took a quote-unquote coffee nap consuming about 200 milligrams of caffeine 
And that's uh, the amount in about one or two cups of coffee, depending on how strong your coffee is, right? And then immediately taking a 20-minute rest, <laughs> felt more alert and performed better on computer tests than those who only just took a nap. Now, why does this work? A 20-minute nap ends just as the caffeine kicks in and clears the brain of a molecule called adenosine, maximizing alertness. Adenosine is a byproduct of wakefulness and activity, says Alan Tofai, MD, a medical director of New York Neurology and Sleep Medicine. He says, as adenosine levels increase, we become more fatigued. Napping clears out the adenosine, and when combined with caffeine, an adenosine blocker, it further reduces its effects and amplifies the effects of the nap. So there you go on that. Wow. <laughs> did they, did I know, they say there was booze well, in the coffee? <laughs> then you'd just be a wide awake drunk, right? Right. <laughs> right. Um, um, and, and also, you know, alcohol um, is a depressant. So even if, even if you drank the coffee, you'd still feel tired even though even though your body isn't technically tired the alcohol will make you feel as if you are so it's going to feel like you didn't take a nap at all that, so that's that sucks. true and being that alcohol is a depressant sometimes i feel like getting stinky gloomy <laughs> oh okay <laughs> now health tip number two <laughs> moving on health tip number two for healthy teeth don't brush immediately after eating. Now, you know, you've heard all those hints from dentists when you were a kid, you know, brush teeth after eating. Well, don't brush your teeth immediately after meals and drinks, especially if they were acidic. So acidic foods like citrus, sports drinks, tomatoes, soda, and stuff like that can soften tooth enamel like wet sandstone, says Howard Gamble. Um, who was a past president of the Academy of General Dentistry. He says that brushing your teeth at this stage can speed up the acid's effect on your enamel and erode the layer underneath. Gamble suggests waiting at least 30 to 60 minutes before brushing. All right, so that's it for my health tips. I'm going to go ahead and put those other 10 strange but true health tips on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page for your perusal at your convenience. So with that all said, let's move on to Weird News. All right, what do we got for Weird News? Okay, this comes to us from Pomona, California. Authorities Uh have have filed, yeah, my neck of the woods, really close. Authorities have filed criminal charges against 14 teenagers who allegedly broke into a Southern California mansion and held a party that caused (laughs) more than $1 million in damage and losses, including the theft of a stuffed snow leopard. (laughs) Los Angeles County prosecutors announced the charges Tuesday. Authorities say the party promoted oh, on God. social media in November brought more than 100 teens to the L.A. La Habra Heights mansion while the owner was away. According to wow. investigators, partygoers entered the, through the window, trashed the place, and stole several pricey items, including designer 
suits, medieval armor, jewelry, and the mounted leopard. Most of, <laughs> most of the loot was later recovered. The teens who, were fi- who are 15 to 18 years old faced misdemeanor and felony charges ranging from trespassing to burglary and theft. Wow. Who would break Holy. into a house have a party? I know, right? And how, you know, that is like the most riskiest and stupidest thing I'd ever heard because you never know when the owners are going to come in. You never know. And it, that's just the craziest, stupidest. Who? These were kids? Oh, my God. Yeah, 15, just, 18 years old. What a, uh, okay, never mind. <laughs> All right. So that was our weird news. And let's move on to entertainment news. Don't go now, away, folks, after entertainment news. Right we can take a break. This is right up our alley because that's to with the UFC. Rob Lawler okay. has pulled out of his big fight against Donald Cowboy's Corone at UFC 205 in New York City. TMZ Sports has learned. Oh, what happened? Bob, I lost you. Bob? Bob? What happened to Bob? What happened to me? <laughs> Bob, you still there? Can anyone still still hear me? Okay. I don't, you know, you just cut out. You cut out completely. You there? Yeah, I'm Hello. here. Hello. Can you okay, hear me? Okay, that was weird. Yeah, you I can now. I, I, yeah, you, I actually could yeah. always hear you. You couldn't hear me. Yeah. Okay. So, it was unclear why Lawler backed out of the November 12th fight at Madison Square Garden. They're working on it. They're told okay. Cowboy will still fight at the, and the UFC is currently looking for a new opponent. 34-year-old mm. Lawler last fight at UFC 201 back in July and lost the UFC welterweight championship belt to Ty- Tyrone Woodley in a first-round knockout. Wow. Knockout, I'd be embarrassed. Yeah, right? <laughs> no wonder oh, wow, he's okay. Yeah, so, uh-huh. I wonder why he's pulling out. Well, you know, I guess they'll work it out, finding finding him a new opponent. All right, so that's it for weird news and health tips and entertainment news. So why don't we do this? We're going to go ahead and take a short three- or four-minute break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to some of them, Rick St. Clair. So don't go away, folks. We'll be right back after this. High school is a time for figuring things out, like finding the square root of X when your ex won't stop texting you, or how to write an essay on 12th night the night before it's due. It's about making friends and making memories. It's about deciding where you fit, where you stand, and what you simply won't stand for. Long after class is dismissed, after you've left the hall and moved on with life, after you've forgotten all the answers to all the tests, you'll remember the day you figured out the kind of person you were going to be. Stand up for someone being bullied, and they'll never forget you. Stand up to bullying. In 50 feet, turn left. 
Why are you driving so slowly? After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in point one miles. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. The Heart Truth is a campaign sponsored by the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute to raise awareness about heart health. One thing that everyone can do to support heart health is to get moving. Health and fitness expert Dr. Pamela Peake says that small steps can lead to big benefits. Throughout the day, just get up and move more. Park your car in the farthest parking spot. Find any excuse to walk as you live your busy life. The key to heart health is regular physical activity and a balanced diet. I help get my patients educated and motivated to stay active every single day. That's why I'm behind the Heart Truth campaign and those who partnered with it, like Diet Coke. Join them this month as they work to educate, inspire, and motivate by visiting dietcoke.com slash hearttruth. Inside this little Burbank building, this is the first museum in the world dedicated to martial arts. It, it really reflects on the style and the, the philosophy of each and every different culture. White eyebrow kung fu, monkey kung fu, the animal styles, Shaolin. Talking about the ninja here. Japan had the samurai. Here we go into our Korean section. In fact, every corner of Asia and the Pacific has its own martial art. It'll be an absolute shame if one day you ask a kid and he doesn't know who Bruce Lee is. From the history of the Japanese samurai to the artistry of anime, Enjoy a look into Asian culture by visiting the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank. Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is T. Joe Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest? Or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk radio show? If you do, you can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. All righty, and we are back. This is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rosita and Robert. Our phone number here is 347-677-0699. So if you'd like to call us to say hello or to speak with our special guest tonight, just give us a call. Now, if you don't want to call, you can actually go to the Blog Talk Radio show marquee, and there is a chat board underneath the show marquee, and you can reach, reach us there. But you know what? It's a lot funner to call. So give us a call. 347-677-0699. All right. I would like to bring on the studio mic right now a friend of mine and uh, a supporter of the show, Master Rick St. Clair. Sabamnam Rick, how you doing there, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing awesome. Oh, wow. We're doing awesome. 
Yes. Thank, uh, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to, to join us tonight. I know you're busy, and we're going to get into talking about why you're busy a little bit later. <laughs> so, um, and, and welcome to the dojo, by the way. And uh, for all of our friends out there, and for Rick also, you know, me and Bob love to have fun, and we joke around. So, you know, it's, but it's only Bob that gets borderline inappropriate. So. <laughs> oh, I do not. What the hell is wrong with you? I don't get borderline anything. I get absolutely inappropriate. He gets, he gets absolutely inappropriate. That's right. Okay. So that's the kind of show we have here, Rick. All right. Okay. So, um, right on. All right. Now, what we normally like to do to get the conversation rolling for our listeners um, who are listening is um, we usually like our guests to talk a little bit about their start in martial arts and, and about how they got interested in martial arts and their history. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in martial arts? Absolutely. Um, like so many thousands, if not millions, uh, watching Bruce Lee, um, mm-hmm. and the dragon was just, uh, I've seen that got hundreds of times probably. And, um, where I lived, <clears throat> I was, uh, able to go for runs and bike rides and, I always passed this one taekwondo school, and it just really, I was interested. I was kind of drawn to it. Um, so from training in the beginning three days a week to full-time seven days a week, double classes, uh, it just came a, a great passion of mine. And so that started at the age of 12, and I've been doing it over 40 years now. Oh, wow. Very wow, that's cool. That's not bad because you only look like you're 25. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. I, yeah, I don't feel 25 with me, but, but um, uh, I, one time uh, um, a grandmaster, Clarence Lee, had mentioned to me. He used to come by the studio, a uh, very mm-hmm. well-known uh, man, and he told me, he said, "Rick, you're you have a hard style, a hard system." He goes, "You might want to think about Tai Chi." I said, "Mr. Lee, with all due respect, I'm, I'm a high flyer. I like uh, jumping and." You know, uh, knock on wood, uh, I'm still healthy, and so it mm-hmm. do a lot of the kicks and everything. I love it. Cool. Right on. Now, I'm curious, and I'm sure some of our <coughs> – excuse me. I'm sorry. I think I'm coming down with a cold. <clears throat> so if I start coughing in your face, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> some of our listeners might be wondering, who might not be familiar with Taekwondo or Korean arts in general, can you explain a little bit about – you know, what the difference, if there is a difference, can you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about Mudukwan Taekwondo? Um, is it, you know, cause you know, when I was a kid, I thought Mudukwan was in and, in and of itself, its own style. I mean, is there Mudukwan and then Mudukwan Taekwondo and how does it differ from like ITF and all that other kind of stuff? Yeah, the ITF, uh, those, I believe that was under general, general Lee, um, those are uh, young forms. What we do okay. are either the Pogwai forms or the Tego mm. forms. Um, mm. But back in the day when I was when I started, we were doing the Pinons, the old Japanese forms. Uh, one, two, oh. five. Shinto, mm. uh-huh. uh, But right now, um, the founder, who is my immediate grandmaster and has been for years, is uh, Dr. Richard Chun, who is based out of Manhattan in mm. New York City. Um, mm-hmm. So 
So he, he at one time was a right-hand man to uh, Un Young Kim, the World Taekwondo Federation uh, president. And uh-huh. he's been he's actually been stateside for, I want to say, almost 50 years now. And what he told me, because what I used to do, and I, I look back, and I don't know if it was extremely fair to the students, but we did – um, the Kicho forms along with the eight Pagwai forms, the eight mm-hmm. Tegu forms. So going for black belt, you're doing 22 forms, which nonstop, that, that's a lot. Yeah, so it is. Dr. Chen well, yeah. said that. He shouldn't do that. He goes, just pick either Tegu forms or Pagwai forms. And uh, so that's what I did. And it's, it's being passed uh, on not only here stateside in San Francisco at my school, but our Mudaquan school out in um, Bangkok, Thailand, um, they're, they're doing wow. the same form. So it, it, it's nice. It's really nice. That's pretty cool. And you know what's funny is that um, years ago, when I was still doing Butokukan Karate, um, I went to like an open tournament at a Butokukan function. And um, there there was some Korean artists that were there competing. And one of the guys looked at my at my uh, coat that said Butokukan on it and had like the the Japanese characters and he's like you know those characters say the same thing as Mudokwan school of martial virtue and I'm like you're kidding really and he's like yeah Butokukan means school of martial, martial virtue <laughs> and I'm like well that's interesting that's kind of wild so you know and that's the only reason why I knew about you know the term Mudokwan at all right is because some guy years and years ago said oh hey did you know that the characters on your on your coat mean Butokukan mean the same thing as Mudokwan school of martial I was like oh that was interesting trivia so interesting. All right. yeah yeah, I was like, wow, interesting. But you know, what was more interesting is was was when you said, Rick, that you guys did the pinion forms and and stuff like that. So that was oh, right, that was pretty- forms. Yeah, um, just uh, some of the kids are dealing with uh, like the tego forms are tall forms, um, and the pogwais have a little deeper stance, which I, I like personally, um, mm-hmm. but. We we still do the take forms every now and then, and what I'll do is I'll throw in a um, a uh, young form to the white belts coming in because it's a, it's a basic nineteen movement form and it's uh-huh. uh, not even an eye pattern. It's just simple nineteen steps, and it gets them familiar with turning, blocking. There's no kicks in the form, and it's 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 good. And what I even do, we have the black belt test actually coming up this um, Thursday, and. I will have the black belts that are going for higher rank to do the first form they ever learned, and I want to see if they have mastered it. Oh, good. Well, that's the way Ooh, it should very be. Very cool. Yeah. Right. That's the way it should be. Right on. That's a, that, I, that's what we do too. You know, show me monkey one, and and if they suck at it, then it's like ah, sit down. <laughs> 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 sit down. Do not pass go. You will not get a black belt. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my goodness! Right. So wow, forty-one years, forty-something years, and seventh dawn. My goodness. Now, what was what was training like? I mean, you know, like me and Bob, you know, we love hearing old school stories. So, what's your old school stories about training? Well, I'll tell you, and it's actually an item that is still in my San Francisco dojang, 
and when the students see it, they they get excited, but they're kind of scared. It's it's <laughs> from the early early '80s, and it's a Hurley stretching machine. I remember. <laughs> I remember. I had one. <laughs> I had one I, too. I, oh my god. <laughs> I still have it from the '80s. It's hanging on the wall, and when I yeah, I, I I definitely want to show the kids everything. So um, I don't let them control the crank because they'll let it mm-hmm. spin crazily. And this thing's like you know back in the early '80s. Um, so a couple parents have come in, but that, that's that's old school for me, and I love it. They they say it almost <laughs> looks medieval having a kid sit in there and you're cranking their legs out to 180 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love those. You know, and now they've got those you know, newfangled machines where you sit on them like a, a bicycle and you can go forward, backward, any angle and stuff like that. It's like, whoa, you know, give me the Hurley, man. Yeah. I love that. I love that Hurley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this has well, bad. Well, but Rusty, they've come out with a new machine. I don't know if you've seen it or not. What's that? You know, I've been, I've, I've been married for 30 years. They have this stretching machine that will take your leg, I swear to God, and put your foot in your mouth. <laughs> oh my God! I wasn't expecting that one. Okay. <laughs> I know that's the way it should be. Well, oh, I think that's for yeah. the little eight-year-old gumbies out there. I, I yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, I know, machine, right? Oh my God! That machine. That machine is called the Yes Honey Machine. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. <laughs> oh man, you know, and speaking of the eight-year-old Gumbies, you know, I, you know, I wish, you know, that I could have what I know now and still be that way. I, you know, yes. I still. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, no, it, it's not anymore. But <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh my goodness. Now, yeah. one more question in in regards to uh, the like, you know, like the curriculum. Now, what's the difference between like Pogway forms, Tagook forms? Young's the whole nine yards for for our listeners. Are they like completely well, different sets? Well, you have in the pop voice ones, they're deeper, they're um, deeper stances, a lot of kicking, and the tegu forms uh, one through eight. We have you'll step right, you'll punch left, so we have reverse stances uh, uh-huh. off to the hand, but um, taller forms. I believe uh, Tegu means uh, bigness and eternity. The mm-hmm. Pogwais are law of command. Um, mm. But again, the, the Pogwais, I mean, I love them. It's, it's old school. Um, I know a lot of schools don't do it, so I like to be a little different and bring back in uh, the older forms. Mm, okay. So that answered my next question was, do all Taekwondo schools do all three you know, methods of forms, or does it differ from school to school or organization to organization? So. Yay, okay. It's, yeah, it does differ. Thanks. I think most schools are uh, WTF, so they'll do the Tegu forms. Um, and it's funny. I mean, I've judged tournaments where you have five black belts up to doing choreo form, the uh, first black belt form, and mm-hmm. I've seen it done five, five different ways, and I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you've seen that in similar systems or styles. But um, uh, to me, I think as long as, you get out there and you're a practitioner, um, it, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All righty. I think I'm done there with, with the Taekwondo curriculum, Bob. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> well, I I have a question <laughs> for Rick because he's been around for so long. And Rick, now t- keep in mind when when I ask this, I'm going to be getting some nasty texts from Rusty going, "What are you doing? Stop it!" Uh, <laughs> so, well, at least you warned me. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's when you well, don't. There warn are. Me. Th- now, yeah, and I rarely warn you. There are some, <laughs> and I don't want to mention names, but I want to find out tradition-wise and historical-wise, there are mm-hmm. some people out there, some individuals claiming 10th ten, stand in, in uh, Taekwondo system or Korean system, uh, and they're Caucasian. Is that almost an impossibility? I mean, you know, there's only one tent stand in the system, supposed to be, because there's these people calling them Soki or Professor, this or that. What is the tradition with this, with ranking? It's got a, I mean, in my school, yeah, I don't really, um, I don't like naming names of schools or this or that. But right. I get, of course. Uh, I'll just say I get a lot of over, overflow from other schools because I am, uh, I, I teach old school. Well, you know, I'm, I'm an old school uh, student, so uh, discipline is 100% there. Um, we are westernized. Uh, some Koreans that come in, they say, oh, you do this a little different, this or that. And, you know, but they're still with me 15 years later. And um, uh, I, I, in my school, it takes seven to eight years of training to get your black belt. We don't mm. only do all the high-flying fancy kicks, which Taekwondo is uh, known for. But right. we do right. um, a lot of self-defense, do a lot of one-step. We do. We bring in um, a judo. I've got a belt in judo as well as hapkido. So we bring in everything and put it out on the mat. You're going to learn throws, anywhere from hip throws to shoulder throws, and, and weaponry. We're not traditional in weaponry. Of course, we do the kundo, the Korean sword, but also we do the kama, the sai, the pamfa. Uh, three-sectional, nunchucks, of course, and hmm. um, it's funny. I just I just had a mom and her son join a few months ago, and they asked if they could join weapons class. And I said, well, let's get a little bit more time on deck before I kind of throw you to the dogs out here. Right. And <laughs> she and the mother said, well, can we start with throwing stars? And I started laughing. I said, man, I love this lady. Wow. Uh, I, looked right, I, I looked right at her, and I said, no. <laughs> Um, Throwing knife, so huh? Think, Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, they they see me throwing them around, and they want to do it, and, and it's exciting. But uh, with the traditional part, we got to start with a bow, and then we'll move up from there. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I've seen all kinds of schools. Excuse me, my dog's barking. Um, That's okay. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um. So, yeah, again, just my school is old school, and uh love teaching the old stuff, bringing it back. Very cool. Okay, very cool. Now, you're involved, and this is where we, where I actually met you face-to-face was uh, Dragon Fest this year. Now, you're involved in Tradition's clothing line by uh, Don and, 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 and uh, James Wilson, of course, along with Cynthia Rothrock. Uh, tell us how you got started with that involved involved with Cynthia and Don and traditional line of clothing, and your distributor in Northern California. Tell us about it a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Um, I met 
James a few years back, and um, I saw the traditional on. I got a couple T-shirts from them, and I absolutely love them. Um, they're 60% polyester, 40% cotton, and this is the only type of shirt I can wear, not that I do, but <laughs> that I can wear three, four days in a row if I wanted to. Once you take it off, it goes back to true, true, a true fit. And um, so James asked me if I want to uh, distribute uh, Northern California for traditions uh, for Donna Cynthia. And I said, absolutely. So got a ton of shirts in the studio. And um, what I do, every time a student walks in the door, they get their choice of tradition shirt, whether it's a child, a lady, or, a, you know, an adult man. Oh, very cool. Now, I didn't know this, actually, Rick. You were involved in the Martial Arts Kid movie. Now, I've seen that movie six times. I've promoted it for James. Uh, Rusty ran, ran the screening in Seattle, which I flew up for. Tell us what your role was with the Martial Arts Kid. Where did you play? So um, it was not this past Dragon Fest. Uh, it was the one prior, and James had asked me if I wanted to take part in the movie. I said, oh, I'd, I'd love to. And actually, the first day of filming for the Martial Art Kid was done at the Holiday Inn in Burbank. And Dragon so they, Fest, yes. Yeah, they took a, a room back in the South 40 and converted it into a movie set. And uh, I actually had a scene with Cynthia Tara uh, Cardinal and Inga Van Arden and Stephen Barbier was behind me. Um, but, you know, it didn't make the cutting room floor, but you will find it in the DVD that is in, uh, called Deleted Scenes. Um, mm-hmm. receiving, receiving a big trophy and talking and um, also the journey. The journey was um, when it all started. My family, we, we were all invited down to Los Angeles for the Christmas party for traditions and uh, got to meet a lot of people and got interviewed by the Zanos, the martial arts showbiz, television, TV, and uh, it kind of took took off from there. Right on. Wow, very cool. Very cool. Cool, cool, cool. Now, speaking of movies, um, you've been very busy these last few weeks. Um doing fight choreography for a movie. Um, Are you at liberty to talk to us a little bit about this uh, movie that you're working on? Yeah, we just uh, wrapped last uh, Tuesday. Uh, So I was down there the week prior and I was, um, I was honored and and blessed to be asked to do this by Arlene Barshinger, who was driving down from Fairfield two days a week, training two hours a day with me. On, on weaponry and she said look we don't have a fight choreographer yet would you be interested and I said absolutely so the director got a hold of me and the producer I met with them and um, last week we were, we were filming uh, all week and um, what was so awesome is I believe it was day three TJ Storm showed up as a favor to me to meet the cast and crew and uh, that was great Oh, I cool. love TJ. Him and I are really good friends. Uh, right on. Well, I could say a little. I could say a little bit about the movie. It's a um, a sci-fi action film. Um, mm-hmm. As as the director and producer told me, it's like La Femme Nakita meets the Underworld. It's whoa. CIA, wow. CIA operatives. Uh, it's very cool. Very cool. And the fight scene he let me create. 
And it was done with, um, I want to say, your non-traditional collie sticks or Escrima sticks. They were three-quarter diameter uh, and about two foot long, uh, solid steel. And I tell you, these two talents I had to work with really had to work out, and uh, they did a fabulous job. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very cool. Now, is this gonna uh, is this gonna be um, kind of like you know the martial arts kit and stuff like that, where it's mainly gonna go to like DVD, Blu-ray, or is it gonna uh, will it be featured in, in like a premiere, go to big screen? Uh, what I'm understanding right now is um, I believe it's the Sci-Fi Channel is interested in it, and it's just it's a what we did, and I believe it's a 22 minute 22 minute sizzle reel that um, the Sci-Fi Channel is interested. This is the second part of... The first one was called... Um, uh, oh, gosh, I can't see. <laughs> I wasn't involved in that one, but this is Angelic's Rebirth. So it's um, it's very cool, kind of deep and sci-fi stuff. Oh, cool. Awesome. Right so, on. I do have to... I do want to drop the director's name. He wasn't the only the director, the writer and creator. His name is Ron Santiano and uh, Red Cape Productions. And Class Act uh, did everything right in my eyes. And I'm um, looking for uh, part three coming up here, I hear. So looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Cool. Very cool. Now, what's it what's it like for, you know, as, as a fight choreographer, you know, uh, you have to deal with – the skill levels of, of, you know, different people and stuff like that. Now, when you create these uh, fight scenes for people, do you tend to um, cater the movements to each particular person? Or do you say, okay, this is the feeling I'm looking at. How does that work? How, how does being a fight choreographer work for the listeners out there? I mean, this is, uh, that's pretty much exactly what, what it was. Um, I had two talents. And I knew one had a decent amount of martial arts skills with weapons, and the other um, was a little less experienced. So uh, you just got to kind of put your foot down, and you hope they get it. Um, mm-hmm. the, the three days uh, back in July, I was man, it was awesome. I was able to stay at my friend's uh, dojo in Pacific Palisades, and that's a uh, Jerry Blank. Studio. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. I saw Jerry tonight, as a matter of fact. Yeah, Jerry's a great guy. And he's like, you're coming down this way with the talents? Absolutely. You can use my place. So we used it three days a week, uh, the one week. And um, I think it's about three hours a day. And, uh, yeah, Jerry just opened his doors. And that, that was awesome. That helped out a lot. Um, so, yeah, you got you to gotta take what you get and then um, adapt where you get, uh, make changes where you can. But, um I think it's going to be a good scene. It's going to be a good scene. Very cool. Very cool. Now, for, for our listeners out there, um, you know, I've, I've, I've met a lot of people, martial artists, young martial artists, that, that you know, want to get into the film industry. Or, you know, and they figure, oh, I can make a, I can be a great action star because I'm a martial artist. <laughs> and we're, we're going to, I'd like to get your guys's, your guys's input on that. Um, or they think they can be a great fight choreographer um, because 
of their martial arts experience. Now, of course, you know, you need martial arts experience if you, or any type of fighting experience if you want to be a fight choreographer. But is there anything else that, you know, these young people would need to get into that kind of uh, behind the scenes stuff in movies? Um, I'm still a newbie at this, and I was blessed to work with Melissa Tracy privately for like mm-hmm. uh, three three days months back when I was kind of rehearsing with um, with uh, Arlene Barsinger. And I mean, Melissa is a great talent, and um, I actually brought my two boys down to Gilroy, uh, and they were the stunt people, and I was I and. Melissa, we're working with them, and there's a lot to it. And like I said, I'm still a newbie. I'm enjoying it. Um, and John Cringe has uh, been there with some advice. Um, John, John's really good. Uh, but just mm-hmm. since that time I had with Melissa, it really opened up my eyes on, on set. Um, so I hope to get better at it. Right on. Very cool. Well, I'm, I, I'm guessing like anything else, it is a learn-as-you-go experience. That kind of thing. And um, and I would guess also that, you know, um, it would probably, I'm just guessing, um, the fight choreography would probably have to do with, you know, what's big during that particular time. Because remember when the Matrix kind of, you know, look in fights and stuff like that was like the biggest thing in the action movies? You guys remember that? There was Absolutely. like, Absolutely. you know, yeah, there was that couple of years where every movie had that look whether or not it was wushu or whatever, but it had that look of, you know, the, the, the stop motion and the, and the funky slow motion. And then there was that point in time where everything was like, you know, like the Sherlock Holmes movie where everything would stop. And then it would like go into like, Oh, this is what's happening in the background type of thing. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, and, and I had no idea that, that even fight choreography or fight scenes or action, you know, went through, you know, phases. <laughs> I had no idea. And uh, <coughs> so, so yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. So you hear that youngsters, you know, got to work hard on that. <laughs> learn as you yeah. can, learn as you go. That's for sure. Yeah. I've, I've never heard the word cut running again as so many times in my life. And, uh, <laughs> the girls, like I said, I mean, they're, they're long days, they're long days. We had one day, I think, um, it was a 14-hour day, and, you know, these girls are swinging these heavy sticks the, the whole time. And uh, so when T.J. Storm came on set, he looked, and, and he goes, hey, can I go? He wanted to go pick them up. And um, he lifted them up, and the look on his face, he absolutely couldn't believe it. And then he looked at the ladies and was looking at their forearms, and he goes, oh, my goodness. So I, I, I made sure, you know, safety first. I taped up their wrists, and they're fully padded up, and, and it's still a workout. It's it's. I was tired and I wasn't doing, I did a little of the physical, but um, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but mm. it's gratifying. I, I, do, I do it again in a heartbeat. Right. Right. I, Very you know, cool. I, I worked on a, on a indie film um, a few, few months ago and I, I hadn't done anything like that since like, I don't know, 2001. And it reminded me of exactly what you were talking about. You know, the, the hard work, the long hours, the, the sitting around and waiting, Hurry up and wait, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Working your ass off for just that, like, 10 seconds. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So, yeah. right on. 
Uh, now, was, I want to well, kind of... You know, I was okay. asking uh, uh, Matt Moy last night, because I thought these guys that did TV shows worked hours like movies. You know, they worked long and hard. And he says, no, it's, it's like going to school. I said, you mean eight to three? And he says, yeah. That's all they work. <laughs> now, Tuesday when they film, they work at full 10-hour, 12-hour day. But when, during the week, they work six hours. Hmm. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Now, I kind of want to um, go back uh, sort of into the taekwondo like curriculum, but not necessarily the curriculum, but teaching. Um, now, uh, I just kind of want to start first off with, you know, what what would a typical class at your dojang be like for kids and adults? You know, I, I'm not sure about other Taekwondo schools. I know the schools in my area. I'm in a very busy part of San Francisco that's, well, actually a few blocks from the ocean and but on my street alone, I want to say there's about seven martial arts schools, whether it's uh, oh. Bok Sai Wong, Kung Fu, there's uh, several places. And I'm the only Taekwondo mm. school. Um, and a lot of those places up there, they run a 40-minute class. At the most, 50-minute class. Wow. Every pretty much one hour. And uh-huh. like I said before, I kind of get the overflow from other schools that, are either extremely expensive, and they always say you can come in twice a week. Where my school, you could you come in every day of the week if you want. Um, so I'm different that way, and I don't really break up um, white belt, yellow, green, blues, reds, black. Or I, I, I let them all train together. I figure if I've got some good black belts in there, or red belts, then these little newbies coming in, or they're, they're little sponges, they're going to pick up. But uh, a typical class, we do a 15-minute 15, 15 warm-up, uh, get into the heavy cardio, and then we'll get into whether it's, you know, stances night or blocks, kicks, punches. We'll get into throws. Um, lately, we've been doing – I've got some good kids in there, a lot, a lot of fun, and we're able to run the wall, so they're running horizontally. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, they really wow. love it. Every, every, every day it's like, oh, Master Rick, please, can we run the wall? I said, we did that yesterday, Let's, you know. So they're excited, you know, so nice exploring and, and um, we have a really, really fun class that we've been doing in tournaments, uh, our in-house tournament, and it's uh, mm-hmm. combat sword. So you've got cool. chest here. Yeah, and that's awesome. Foam combat swords, and the only way to score a point is to hit the chest or the head, and just the movement. Oops, sorry about that. Oops, the movement. <laughs> he got dropped. Um, either uh, the jumps and spins, but the kids are creative and they're so light on their feet. Uh, yeah, it's great. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Right on. So you say that some classes, you know, in your neighborhood are 40 minutes. That's it? Yeah, 40 <laughs> minutes. And they let them come twice a week, like a Tuesday, Thursday, or a Monday, Wednesday. So, again, some of those programs they have there, I get the overflow, which I just say keep running it that way. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, right? Yeah, that way, you know, you get right, over. Right, right. But, you know, I, th- that blows my mind. When you said 40 minutes, I was like, what? You know, my shortest class for my youngest group is 45 minutes. And that's only because, you know, they start, like, bouncing off the walls at around 40 minutes, right? <laughs> so it's like, but, you know, what, it, it, 40 minutes. So I'm, I'm, like, trying to figure out what they could go over in 40 minutes. <laughs> You know, yeah. Well, this yeah. one school, it 
I call it a production school. They're commercial. They're open seven days a week. They're kind of like twenty four seven. And and I, I I never talk bad about any school or any any instructor. Yeah, we we wouldn't um, want but you 40, to. But forty forty minutes, you barely get your heart going. Forty minutes. You know? Right. Right. Well, that only leaves like not even twenty minutes if if there's a fifteen minute warm up and you know stretching period. So oh, it's exactly. kind of like. Yeah, so it's like, okay, so that leaves 10 minutes for this, 10 minutes for that, 10 minutes for that. and But still, you know, or not even that, because 20 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, and then you're gone, you know. Um, so I, that, that just blew my mind. So I'm sorry, I had to, like, mention that. 40 minutes, that's that's wild. And you train all the ranks together, right? That's what you said? That's correct. Uh, except we do that's have cool. a, um, a separate black belt class for weapons and Right. The advanced, you know, and, and stuff. But, uh, no, I throw them all in there, and I'll break them up in groups on deck. And yeah. I interchange out either red belts that are helping or, or black belts that are assisting. And, and um, I think it's really important by the time a student gets to black belt, he's got at least at least 60 hours on deck assisting. Yeah. Um, so that's 60 classes oh, of all different types of ranks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a, that's a, that's a great, great way to run. It's very similar to um, how I run my classes. Cause I've been told, Hey, you know, you shouldn't have black belts in with the, um, with the color ranks. And I go, well, why not? You know, I mean, if, if I only have a white belt class, then they only have other, you know, beginners that have never done martial arts before to look to. And if I only have like a yellow right. orange belt class, they only have, at the highest rank, an orange belt to look to, you know, what's, you know, is there really anything wrong with having a black belt or a brown belt or a green belt to look up to and to emulate? I don't think so. I don't think it's, I don't think it's wrong at all. In fact, I think that's how a lot of kids and adults, you know, gain a lot of their skill by kind of stealing a little bit of, you know, what that green belt does. Oh, wow. I like the way he throws that, that knee. I want to do that. You know, um, so yeah, but you know, I'm all for the way you teach your class, Rick. I love it. <laughs> I love oh, it. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I absolutely love a, it. Uh, we've got a little tigers program. It's a uh, three to six year olds, and <laughs> crazy. But years ago, I used to do it for one hour, and I was exhausted after an hour of these little three to five and six year olds screaming and running around. So we cut it down to thirty minutes, and I tell the parents. This is great. If I can get five to eight minutes of their attention, I'm happy. And then you don't think that they're picking it up, and then you see them doing their technique off to the side or showing their the parents, and it's like, oh, they really they really pick it up. It, it, it's a really good feeling. Little kids just love it. Very cool. Very cool. Now, um, would you happen to have any advice for new instructors out there that are that are just getting into the teaching mode They're, they they want to open a school and they want to include kids in their um in their school um is there any advice that you would like to to give those newbie instructors about teaching kids same thing that was handed down to me my grandmaster the late uh, donnie meyer from uh, long island um he would say over and over, patience is virtue, and uh, he's 110% right. Um, just you have to have patience, know your curriculum forward and backwards, and um, really enjoy what you're doing. The kids can trust mm-hmm. you. 
if you're angry, if you're yelling at them, they're not going to come back. They're not going to like it. So, you know, it just puts a good atmosphere in your dojo, dojang, wherever you might be, and, um, you know, have fun at what you do. Right on. Yes. Got that new black belt? <laughs> <laughs> have have fun at what you do. Because, you, know, um, you know, Master Rick is right, everyone. You know, kids can sense it. Um, they can sense, you know, if you're angry, if you're happy, if you're passionate about your art, and whether or not you know your stuff. You know, <laughs> definitely. They're, you know, if you don't know your stuff and you're just kind of winging it, you know, they can tell. Well, unless they're three years old, because then you can just tell them to run around and they're fine. But, <laughs> but right, you know, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, kids, kids can tell. Um, I, I personally am a firm believer that if you can teach kids, you can pretty much teach anybody. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm telling you, that's absolutely true. My oldest student right now is 72 years old, and he's a joy to work with. That's cool. Wow. That, that, that is very, that is yeah. very cool. That is. Because, like, you know, uh, have, do you get this a lot where you get people that say, oh, I'm too old to start martial arts? All the time. All the time. You know? Yeah. And I say, look, try try, try a class, and I'll give them a certain day of the week that I think might um, be a funner class, a funner instructor. Um and you know, I I, I wouldn't I, I get the majority that would want to give it a shot, and uh, especially when you're older. I mean, just to walk in my doors and say, "Do you have you know information flyers?" And I said, "Of course." I said, "Is this <laughs> this for your your child or your grandson, whoever?" You know, it's for me. And I'm like, "Oh wow, I love it. I love it." That's cool. <laughs> That's, That's what very it, cool. So, you, bet. you have a lot of fa- you have a lot of families. A lot of siblings and mom that train with their kids or dad that trains with their kids. And I just love the multiple siblings because I know they take it home and they get a practice together. Um, Mm -hmm. I've got, I want to say I've got a mother and her son that I was telling James Wilson about it. Um, They will drive in one day a week, two and a half hours away, stay in the studio train two to three classes, and then take that two-and-a-half-hour drive home. So dedication is is amazing. And when I asked, um, aren't there any places up by you? Because she lives up beyond Sacramento. It's, um, that's a long ways. Stuff. Wow. <laughs> yeah, her that's her. a long so, way. Yeah, they're, they're very good people. They're, they're dedicated. And um, other students see, see, see that, and they go, well, I only live five minutes away. And, you know, so... <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, 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 good, it's good to see them in. Wow. Two and a half from Sacramento area. I I know yeah. that drive. It's, it's, oh my it's actually a, it's a city called Loomis. I'm, I'm not sure where it is, but it's, it's, it's far. And I told James Wilson, he kind of heard the story. And he was just like, what are you, crazy? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's like I had um I had a student a few years back that drove in from Olympia, which is about the same uh, same kind of thing, right? Um toward the end of our state. <laughs> he drove in from the capital twice a week and I'm like, "Olympia? Uh-huh. Really? What the hell?" Uh-huh. You know, but 
you know, but, you know, it all boils down to, you know, if they, you know, like what they're doing, they're going to find a way to do it. So, you know, that, that says a lot about you as an instructor. And, but you know, what drives me crazy is that, you know, I, there, there are people that live just on the other end of the bridge from where I'm at, where my studio is. Um, there's a place called Beacon Hill on the other end of the West Seattle freeway. Only takes about maybe 10 minutes, right, to get through West Seattle and get on the freeway and get to Beacon Hill. That's it, 10 minutes. And uh, they ask me where my classes are. So if, if parents see me at a demonstration, they go, oh, I want my kids to do that. I give them a flyer and they go, oh, you're in West Seattle? Yeah. Oh, you're too far. What? (laughs) (laughs) What? You know, and, (laughs) but you know what? These same parents will take their kids to a piano lesson out in Northgate, which is, you know, half an hour away. So, (laughs) so it just, it's, yeah, it just, I just don't understand it. So I so I get that a lot. I I I don't get it. I don't get it at all. But <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Hey, so Bob, we're getting toward the end of our broadcast here. So do you have any last questions for Master Rick? Well, Rick, since you just started in the fight choreography, okay? What do you think? Now I well I didn't know we knew so many of the same people you you mentioned a lot of these people I saw today, but in your experience with your first time running a, a, a fight choreography gig, what do you think was your biggest challenge or your hurdle oh. that you had to overcome being brand new? That's a good question. <clears throat> Probably creating, help, help create it. I kind of tweaked. The director had a, uh, obviously the script, so I was reading it, and I said, well, let's do this, this, and this. So I, I – I don't know if there was so much a challenge, but I had ideas that I wanted them to see, and I, I knew I could put it together. Um, but that was that wasn't really a challenge. It was really really fun for me in trying to be creative and make make uh, you got to sell the scene. And I've been talking to a lot of people, and you know, if my name's on you know part of this project, it, it better look good. So, um, mm-hmm. being new, yeah, being new, I was, I was a little nervous, but, um, the cast all the way down to the makeup lady, uh, the, the cameraman, the boom guy, everybody was really cool because they've done this many times and, um, it, it was a little challenging, but uh, again, a lot of fun and I do it again in a heartbeat. Right on. Oh, very, very cool. Now. Did, now I heard you work with Melissa, and she's great. Uh, now, did you get to work with John as well on the fight scenes? Because I know you mentioned him, but didn't go in depth on how you worked with him specifically. No, every time um, uh, Melissa and I got together, she was on set. She actually took time off in between going to the location to work with me privately. Uh, and I would have loved to work with John. John John's a great guy. I mean, great stuff. He's a great guy. Uh, yeah, um, so uh, hopefully in the future, uh, but I was blessed to have, you know, six, eight hours with Melissa, and uh, I learned a lot. There's just so much to it that um, I'm just cracking the surface, and, you know, uh, I just keep plugging away. I know. Very and cool. You get these guys, because I get Art Camacho and John Crane playing that 
and, and, and Rusty touched on earlier about guys who think that they look so good in, in, in fighting or mm-hmm. great martial arts can do stunts. And that's not true. No. Because now they got to worry about angles. they got to worry about reactions. they exactly. got to worry about a lot of things. Because they look good doesn't mean squat. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When I was uh, when I was working for the uh, international stunt school, there were so many youngsters that you know did capoeira or karate or you know something like that, and they thought, oh, you know, I'd ask them, so you know, why are you here? You know, because I I did teach the you know fighting for film part, and they're like, well, you know, I I, I want to work on action films. I'm like, you realize that I'm not going to be teaching you martial art. Right. I'm going to be teaching you how to fight for film. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah. You know, and nine times out of ten, I tell you what, unless you get on them, they won't hit their marks. You know, they'll stack stack for the camera. They'll you know, they'll hit people. And it's like, oh, my God. Right. So, yeah, you're completely right, Bob. You know, just because you look good doesn't mean you you can perform. So it it's hard work. It's it's hard work and but even you know, even the, the seasoned professionals though, Rusty, I've seen in Jackie Chan's outtakes, I've seen him get hit. Oh yeah. Well those guys hit. <laughs> yeah, and they hit hard. <laughs> That's scary, man. Heck no. <laughs> That's, That's oh, scary. so Rick, I've got a question for you. because uh, Rusty touched on it about working with Actors that that can act and train them in martial arts. So my question is, which is easier to to your limited knowledge now? Is it easier to teach an actor martial arts, or is an act uh, is it easier to teach a martial arts martial artist how to act and how to be a stunt person? Oh, good question. That's a good question. I mean, I know that, um, you know, the feature films and whatnot that, uh, I mean, this is a small independent uh, movie and um, uh, definitely on a budget. Uh, but when you get the big feature films, I believe yeah, you're going to get some big names, big, big draws for the fight choreographers. Um, you know, Pat Johnson that did all the Karate Kid movies. Um, right. And, and, you know, guys like that. And um, my experience the lead actress is one that I had to um, kind of take under my wing, and, and she was proficient. She did really well. Um, so this is it, it's kind of you're going to get hit by both. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to be on the opposite end of this and, and say, hey, I've, I've done a few uh, fight scenes myself, but um, I'll take what I what I can get right now and uh, just giving my knowledge out there for um, some of the choreographing I've done in my studio for. Uh, demos and so forth. It's just I'm I'm excited to reach out and or branch out a little more and really get into right. it. Um, I told Professor Ron I said, um, hey, I want to get I want to get some kicks in here. Let's get some you know jump spin kicks and and he kept saying that that the person I am training is nothing but a weapons expert. So I I got it and um, I had a blast. I just absolutely absolute blast. And well, the and the reason were, I asked that Rick is that. On independent film, you don't have the luxury of a, of a stunt double. You're doing your own stunts. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know yeah, what they, I mean? That's, yeah, they were. That's what I'm saying. That was a long day for these days. Oh, I I can't even imagine. 
uh, what they were going right. through. Now, now I'm glad you brought that up, though. You just said something that sparked something in me. Because your creative juices had to flow, Rick, and you have choreographed demos before for your demo team. What's the difference between stunt choreographer and co- coordinating a uh, demo? Uh, doing a demo a lot easier. <laughs> I, did, <laughs> I, did, I did a whole group of my students, do this, do this, do this, be on cue with this. I mean, I, I guess it's the same for film, but when the camera's on you, you got to nail it, and it's going to be the director or the stunt person uh, or the fight choreographer saying, all right, stop, stop, run it again. And um, I think doing a demo is easier. I've done, we've done many, many, many in San Francisco. And, uh, yeah, when you're behind the camera, you're behind the eight ball, and it's, it's, you've you got to shine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, I can see there's a lot more pressure because you have budgets to meet and – you want to make sure no, none of your none of your people get put in the hospital by somebody doing something stupid, oh, right? Absolutely, safety first, right? Yeah. Yes, always. Yeah, and uh, and, and for demonstrations, I would figure also, Bob, that that you know if if you know students mess up like a form or something like that, the audience probably isn't going to know. You know, they aren't <laughs> going to notice it, right? Exactly. Yeah, they're not going to notice. You know, if the student, you know just you know keeps performing but you know on film you know an audience does expect a certain something you know if they're watching a movie and if you mess up well you know <laughs> and i'm sorry my dog's that. going off right now <coughs> that's oh okay. that's okay that's okay that's no, no problem we've heard worse yeah <laughs> we've heard, we've yeah we've heard like what we've heard mall noises we've heard People driving in the wind and <laughs> yes, oh my god, you know, stuff like that. All right, so before we end here, Rick, this is uh, uh, this is getting into the Rick outside of martial arts. What are some of your hobbies outside of martial arts? Uh, hobbies. Um, I like all water sports. I love surfing. It's funny. I started surfing at the same age I started martial arts. Um, so surfing's definitely there. Love baseball, football, um, spending time with my family. Oh, cool. Very cool. Awesome. Who, uh, oh, it looks like somebody called in. Let me see if they pressed one. So, uh, we can be on for a little bit longer. So if anyone wants to talk to Master Rick St. Clair, uh, give us a call, 347 677 0699. If you'd like to be in the caller queue, please make sure that you press one so that way we know you're in the caller queue. So I think we have uh, somebody listening in that aspect. But let's, um, hey, Bob, who's who's 704? Oh, the well, net. Okay, now every, so everyone's far, calling in now. It's Patrick McDaniel. <laughs> yes, okay. Well, let's let's go ahead and say hello to Professor Patrick. Let's pull up area code seven zero four. Professor Patrick McDaniel, is this you? It is me. How are you guys doing over there? Really good. Thanks for calling. We're on the air with the subnym Rick St. Clair. Do you have any questions mm-hmm. for Master Rick? Well, I, I kinda caught the, the tail end of it. Um and I was yeah, you you uh, actually posted a birthday wish for me, so that's what I've been out doing. I've been out celebrating oh. my birthday, so I'm <laughs> so I'm just getting in, and I caught the tail end of it. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. But uh, I didn't I didn't catch very much of the, of the program, so I don't really have any questions. I was just oh, okay. really wanting to, to listen and, and you know to learn whatever I could, you know, while he was right there. On. And yeah, and that's that's basically it. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I'm glad you guys are doing such a good job. And and uh, Master Sinclair, it's a pleasure to to, to hear you finally. Thank you very much. Oh, oh that's great. Awesome. Now, now we've you know, got I think the... uh, uh, nine two five is up north, so I think we should take it. Yeah. Okay. Let's take it. Area code. Area code nine two five. You're on Dynamic Dojo Radio. Who's this? Hello. 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 This is Joe. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm fine. I just want to say I'm very proud of uh, Master Rick. I'm a longtime friend of Rick's. 30 years. Oh, right on. And I've, uh, very cool. I'm very proud of a lot of his accomplishments. Very, oh, uh, very cool. I want to congratulate so. him and uh, say he's um, he's done a very good job. He is also, right he's also got, he's also godfather to my daughter. So he's, oh. he's a very good man. <laughs> oh, very good how man. cool is that? Thank you, Joe. Uh, all right, Ricky. Cool good luck to you, buddy. I'm proud of you. Thank you very much. Right on. Thanks for calling. And your says she loves you. Talk to you later. Awesome. Thanks for calling, Joe. All right. Let's take a call from area code two. Oops. Let's see. Let's take a – I lost the line. Here we go. Let's take uh, the call from area code 209. 209, you're on Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. Who's this? Good evening. Can you hear me? Yep. Oh, sure God. can. Yeah, this is Master Stephen Barbieri calling from Modesto, California. How are you doing tonight? Hello. How are you, Master Barbieri? Doing well. Doing well. I wanted to to call in and just kind of give a plug uh, to my good friend, uh, Master Rick. I mean, this guy is a really stand-up guy. Just to give you an example, last year, uh, right about the same time, I had a fundraising event out here in Oakdale. Uh, for the Alzheimer's Association, uh, we were very fortunate. We got Don the Dragon Wilson, uh, who was our star um, instructor for that for that uh, seminar, and Rick ended up bringing uh, quite a few of his students all the way from San Francisco. So we're talking about an hour, maybe an hour and yeah. a half ride. He he drove a bunch of them out there. Then he also set up his uh, traditional. Uh, t-shirt uh, display and had a lot of sales. Donated yeah. 100% of the sales to the Alzheimer's Association. Didn't keep any money for his cost for the shirts or travel or anything. He basically gave me nice. straight across everything. And if I'm not mistaken, we raised $2,000 that day, but about $600 came just from his t-shirt uh, donations from all of his Wow. Again, I just, yeah. I'm not sure everybody knows some of these things that, you know, people do behind the scenes, but I wanted to make sure that people knew what type of a guy uh, uh, Rick was. Awesome. Wow. That is so awesome. Yes, it is. That's so awesome to hear. And thank you so much for calling, Master Barbaria. That's, that's, see, this is the feel-good stuff we like to hear about our, about our guests. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> we do. You're right. Definitely, now, Rick. You know we're ending the, the uh, time of our broadcast, but tell the listeners because uh, we've gone through some great stuff today, and we really appreciate the time you took. But tell our listeners how would they get a hold of you if they want to buy a tradition shirt, 
if they want to talk to you about the stunt choreography or if they want to train with you? Uh, the best way would be uh, call my San Francisco studio. Uh, I'll give you the number. It's 415-665-8684. And if they want to get any of the tradition shirts, um, go to www.traditions, with the Z, sf.com. Send me a message, and um, I'll ship them out to you if you like any of the styles. Right on. Very cool. Very cool. So you have, you have your offshoot own website of tradition, just traditions as that for San Francisco. Uh, that's correct. Actually, it's funny. Um, I'll get some cool. stateside orders, um, but I sent my first T-shirt to Angola, Africa. Wow. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's cool. That's that's actually pretty cool for, you know, for knowing knowing about tradition shirts. That's neat. Awesome. Very all cool. All around the world. I know. How cool is that? Well, hopefully people all around the world will learn more about tradition shirts if they're listening because this uh the syndicated show goes all over. Um, so if you get like a big influx of orders, <laughs> then you'll know why. <laughs> so, but uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us on Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. And I'll be posting that information about how to contact you on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page, if that's okay. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Good talking to you, Bob. And you too, Rex. I. We had a blast. Okay, we had an absolute blast. Uh, awesome. we'll, we will, yeah. And uh, we'll also um, be posting another link to this um, on your personal page. So that way anyone that missed tonight's broadcast can listen to it at any time. So, again, thanks for joining us. And for all of our other listeners, uh, keep keep your eyes on Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Facebook page for news about next week's show. So until then, we'll talk to everyone next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.